it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... What is up, everybody? Welcome in to your big AFC divisional round Bills Bengals preview edition of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you, as always, by Tosh Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Right now, you can enter for a chance to win $1 million, and each week, Kings Hawaiian is pitting two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone to enter. It's a big show, Ryan. So we had to bring in a big guest uh, from The Athletic, Nate Tice, one half of The Athletic Football Podcast, which is appointment listening for me every week as we get ready, ready for NFL weeks throughout the season and they're just getting bigger here. How are you, Nate? I'm doing well. Yeah, that, thanks. That's a great introduction. Uh, yeah, it makes the a lot of we're doing a lot of two part shows. And but for Robert and I, because I know I could be long winded. So anyone that's never heard <laughs> me on a podcast, get ready. Uh, is that Robert and I, we always go, OK, 40 minutes, tight 40 minutes here. OK, all right, we're good. We got two. We got two shows to get through. And then also that there I'm looking at the right like we're doing on StreamYard. I see that red hit one hour one hour five minutes <laughs> one hour seven minutes and it's like gosh dang it we're every single time so no but i i'm doing great long story short i'm doing great <laughs> ryan uh ryan you yell at me usually uh after the shows because i always say i always give him the 30 minutes we're going to go 30 minutes and before long we look right. up 50 minutes and it's like 45 oh, 55 yeah, yeah every time you're right, you're right too we're like hey we're gonna like talk about this this and this what's your stat okay good and then you know, we both start kind of wandering, going like, hey, that ma- makes me want to look up something. And then that leads into a discussion. And also, and then we're talking about who won the NFC Central in like 1996. Like, you know, like just that, that's kind of like how the discussions end up going. But it, it's fun. It's great. I hope people enjoy it because we do. Those yeah, are the best podcasts, the conversation. That's like ours. We, yeah. we go off tangent completely. One time we were in an argument about the best kind of apples. So we have no room to, to you know, to talk when it comes to stuff what, like that. What were the answers? What what, what were the favorite apples? I oh, was gosh. team Honeycrisp and he was uh, team Gala that time, I believe. No, Red Red Delicious. Red, and listen, yeah. I've, I've I'm been... Red Delicious as well, though. I got to say, I've been skewered on the internet about this take. I mean, people, <laughs> oh, the Honeycrisp Hive is serious business. And so I've started to bring them. My son likes Honeycrisp. So okay. they're they're in the household at all times now. Yeah, you're doing your own Gallup poll. Like just like yes. each one. Like just, hey, what, what do you have to say about this, this type of apple? I have no idea what my favorite is. I just know I don't really like green apples. I, I'm just red apples all the way. That's That's my only like take 
on apples. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't want to like get on one side here. Apparently, it's uh, it's feverish, <laughs> the, the fandom of these apples. It was a wild couple of weeks. Um, but it's funny <laughs> to have you on the show today because I was texting with a good buddy of mine, John Feliciano, two days oh, ago. Yes. He hooked God. me up with, um, I know he's in the middle of a playoff run. So yeah. obviously, uh, hopefully you can catch up with him after the season, but he hooked me up. Uh, Lee Smith's coming on the show next week. Oh man. Oh, so I know all. two guys, big name guys. guys. Not only just guys. Yeah. That I, I was around with the Raiders, but just guys I actually interacted with a ton <laughs> that actually wanted to listen to me nerd out about something or we talk about something else. Both great guys. I, I, John Feliciano is like, because just of how tough he is and everything, people don't realize how smart he is and, and just his personality and everything. One of the, Lee too, two of the smartest football players I've ever been around on top of being tough and just great teammates. So that's that's awesome. I'm not just saying that because I'm friends with him <laughs> or, or, or they're coming onto your show and I'm buttering them up. No, but both great guys. That's awesome. Big game this weekend. Uh, going into this game, it, it's kind of funny. Matt and I were talking about it. Preseason, Bills are the Super Bowl favorite. Bills are favored going to this game, but it feels like every analyst on TV is picking the Bengals in this matchup. L- let's start there. What, what's your overall take on this game, this matchup? I- is this the game of the weekend, or is there something else you're looking more forward to? Oh, man, that's that's how I say overall game. This is the one I, I am most excited, but this is how niche and hipster i get with stuff my favorite like unit matchup is like the cowboys offense versus the 49ers defense uh, that one mm-hmm. i'm ecstatic about just because of the i think it's gonna be a great chess match between D'Amico ryan's and fred warner versus dak prescott and kellen moore i think it's gonna be really fun but overall game yes i'm beyond excited because all four main units sorry special team truthers but the offenses and defenses are all top tier units and very fun units i think to watch um uh, the offensive evolution of the Bills, like I think them trying to figure out answers throughout this year that I know some fans get frustrated about, but I do think they're it's trying to pay dividends. The defense is always the Bills defense, what it's been the past few years. It feels like they're you can set your clock to it, but then also the Bengals, both sides of the ball. Why I think they're getting some hype along with the win streak they're on is because of just how the Burroughs evolved as a quarterback. Um, I know he had a great year last year, but if anyone's listened to our show, I, and Bengals fans were getting after me for a long time because I thought they were very inconsistent and not efficient. They're more explosive. And I think where some hype has come is because they have become efficient on top of the T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, you know, alley-oop balls. You know, Joe Burrow's kind of ate his vegetables. And it's been really, it's been fun to watch. It's weird. By being boring, they became better and more exciting in the weirdest way. But yeah, and the defense, Lou Anarumo, is, I, I think is one of the best in the in the league. Um, because why we were excited before the you know the week 17 game was because I wanted to see what Lou and Arumo because he changes what he calls every week. He's very game plan heavy, what he would do against Josh Allen and the Bills. And so I'm still excited to see what Lou's mystery box is. Having said all that, I don't know if spoilers, I did pick the Bills to win this game. Uh, but I I covered my ass by saying, I don't know if I could swear, but sorry, but yeah, covered myself by saying uh they won't cover. So that okay. that's yeah, that's a good way to kind of, you know, hedge that fence. But I, I think the Bills are a very complete team. I've never wavered. It's funny. Preseason favorite. All they do is keep winning. They're all the underlying metrics speak to a lot of good things. And people have just kind of fallen off of them, which I yeah. think is just it's I have it. <laughs> I yes, I, I've been I my preseason pick to win the Super Bowl was the Chiefs, but you know, I said the Bills are gonna be a really good team. It's, and I don't think anything has done to dissuade me on that. It's the NFL. Not everyone's gonna go 17 and 0. Like it's just not it's not always gonna be perfect. So 
long story short, I'm excited for this game. Uh, but I think the Bills are just an overall better team and a healthier team, even losing with Bob Miller and stuff. But I think they're a healthier team right now, which is why I'm kind of edging that way. Mm-hmm. So I, I we're going to move to that health discussion yeah. in a second but I, something you said there i wanted to dig a little deeper into lou amaruno and how they're going to attack this bill's offense yeah. you know if you go back and i did i went back and watched that first game i think they sent five twice on that mm-hmm. one drive against the bills it's a very small sample size and when right. we're talking about Tashawn about that this week like yeah. how do you take that and extrapolate enough to kind of maybe adjust off it's of like that. It's like a preseason or, drive, like right. one drive in preseason to take it off. And it's like, well, how could I extrapolate this? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, looking at that, you know, if any team was not going to, was going to fly in the face of what's kind of worked against Josh Allen this season with the pressure and the blitzes, it would yeah. probably be the Bengals because they've been so good at, you know, dropping and relying on those guys up front. If you had to guess, how do you think they do dial things up to combat Josh in this offense. I, in a weird way, I looked at, not a weird way, but I looked at how they played Patrick Mahomes and what, you know, you look at other elite quarterbacks, it's uh, not quarterbacks, obviously is the most important position, but when you say like, if I had Justin Jefferson on my team and on the Vikings, I'm looking, when I watch film, I'm looking how that defense treated other elite receivers. So I'd be watching Dolphins film and maybe not the team that they played the week before. Same thing with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, you know, to any way you shake it, <laughs> they are the elite quarterbacks. I don't mm-hmm. care. Everyone gets in these rankings. They get over. Oh, my God, he's two and not four. And it's like it, they're elite, though, right? Yeah. OK, good. We can move on. Um, so you look how they played that and in that game. They ran. They dropped eight a good amount. Uh, they ran some, you know, cover two. They changed up the looks. I think the drop eight stuff is very interesting to me because that double mirror as uh, uh uh, is, is what what I think is what got that's what the Bills ran against Patrick Mahomes as well, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is hilarious. And running that, and they also brought heated them up. They were at the cover zeros, but Mahomes beat it. Josh Allen this year has not been as good against the blitz, so mm-hmm. I think there is going to be some of that heated them up on third and fourth down, or at least changing up the look. Um, the other thing I would look at is I have the note right here is just like looking at so looking at what the Ravens. Oh, I'm sorry, what um when they're dropping these eight guys is the one double stuff on mm-hmm. Stefan Dix. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm curious what they're going to do. Uh, Luana Romo runs everything. He's done one double. And what one double is, is what the pa- Patriots have done for years and years and years. They tag one guy. So it'd be number 14 and they have two guys on them. Literally everybody else's man coverage. I could see them doing that, especially when they don't have the strongest corners. Um, the Bengals don't. So that's a way to kind of take him out of the game and make someone else beat them. And I think sometimes the Bills and when Josh Allen can, gets off digs and has to find his number two or number three option, it can it gets chaotic. He's Professor Chaos. Like that's when it kind of it goes unraveled in good and bad ways. So I think that's what they're going to lean into is maybe we can make him make a mistake or hold on to the ball and our pass rush should get home. We can keep him contained because they are pretty good against scrambles. So that's how I think they're going to go is how do we take away digs? How do we make them be patient with some cover two, drop eight, make him work for it and make him run around, be chaotic. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be it. maybe the biggest chess matchup to watch in this game, yeah. uh, trying to stop Josh Allen. But as promised, the health aspect. Yes. One big thing I really appreciated about the Bengals this offseason was how they attacked the offensive line. They knew that was their big weakness, and they had to protect Joe Burrow. They signed three guys in free agency draft, uh, a starter in the, in the draft. But at the end of the season, they're kind of back where they were last year in the playoffs in terms of losing three starters. Right. 
How big of a deal is it that they're not going to have Kappa, Jonah Williams, and obviously Lyle Collins, who suffered an injury in week 16 in this matchup against the Bills? Absolutely a huge one. Um, the one one thing I'll say is the Bengals, like as far as their coaching, I can tell is pretty good as far as up front. Last year, even when they had these woes up front uh, with their offensive line, a lot of the times their scheme was fine. They were going to the right guy, but they were just not good players. So they mm-hmm. lose they lose the matchup physically, but not mentally. And why I'm saying that is I originally would thought the Bills maybe heat this guy, heat him up a little bit, heat the Bengals up with some simulated pressures where they rush four, drop seven, but it's a different four than the guys up front. Uh, but they're going to go to the right guys, whether they can win. So of course it's going to be an issue. But I've, I've seen Joe Burrow navigate this before i think it just adds some more variance with his play as opposed to how he's played this year which has been more steady eddie which is again a compliment uh so i think that yes it's going to be an issue joe burrow is one of the best in pocket movements he's very good at avoiding sacks so he does mitigate it a little bit i think it's gonna be a hindrance to their run game uh where they can get beat especially if they can't climb to the second level and the bills really good linebackers you know blow it up so it might be a lot more frustrating they've been very efficient on the ground they've moved to a shotgun run heavy offense and that's been done wonders for their offense they've tied everything together when they're running the ball out of those i think they maybe those three yard gains two yard gains get a little frustrating when they used to be be getting six and five the last few weeks so i think that's where you see some issues because i do think burrows get rid of the ball quicker he's willing to check it down more and he is uh, also good at avoiding sacks so it's going to hurt him, of course, but maybe not as much as maybe some people think. So much in that first, you know, that two, one and a half, two and a half series of that game. You know, I yeah. think the fear for Bills fans looking at this matchup is the skill guys for the Bengals against the secondary for the Bills, which has been in flux. I mean, Tredavious White has try, been trying to get his sea yeah. legs back under him for weeks. And it's finally, you know, going back to that Patriots game, you know, it's amazing what an interception can do for a cornerback. I've been saying whether it be on the practice field, before the game, in game, he just looks like that swagger is returning a little bit. And yeah. he never, we were talking about this on the show the other day, Ryan, he was never like a blistering fast cornerback. Like he wasn't winning with his reaction time as much as just how smart he is as a player right. and how good he is as, in off Technique. coverage. And so now you couple that with Kyer Elam coming off of this exceptional performance off the bench. I mean, they weren't even right. going to him. They basically told him, hey, sit over there, young guy. It's the playoffs. We're going to trust our guy, Dane Jackson. Now you're in this conundrum if you're if you're Sean McDermott. Do you ride the hot hand and the guy from a physical perspective that can do all the things you need him to do against these great players? Or do you go back to Dane Jackson, who is kind of like that new version of Levi Wallace, that scrappy, that late-round draft pick who has been so trustworthy for you in big spots? Well, how do you see this all playing out in that matchup? Oh, I know. It's whoever you deem smarter, I think. And I, I was a big fan of Elam coming out, out of the draft uh, uh, in the draft process. I just thought it, it made so much sense for the Bills because he seemed like a competitive, good teammate type that the Bills really like. They like the they might take a 10 percent knock in some skills, but as long as that guy is like a hard competitor, which I appreciate. And but so that's a little he has that scrappiness, but you can tell sometimes his head spinning a little bit. And I that would be a little a little uh, uh, worrisome for me going against these guys that will do double moves on you. They will play off what they show. Um, I would, oh God, it's tough because this, I, I'm a hypocrite because usually I'm like, play the youth, let them take their scars and go in it. But also it's like, you want to play the smart guy against these Bengals teams. Like you want, you want to play the smart player because 
I think that's the against the Bengals. They run five. They really lean into five plays, and then they do counters off of that. If you're wondering, by the way, I have two bandages on me. I, I had a skin doctor's appointment, and I <laughs> I just realized that. Sorry, anyone <laughs> see this on video? I look beat up. Uh, uh, but uh, so, uh, but like, I think that you want to be game plan heavy. You have to be aware against this team because they will go, okay, slant flat, slant flat, slant flat, double move, boom, beat you. They will go out, out, out. Okay, double move, beat you. They will show go balls and then come off with it. So I would go for more of the heady guy that maybe is not as high up and down. Because I think that's how you have to play against the Bengals offense is you have to make them be patient. Because a lot of teams start getting lulled to sleep and then they haymaker you. Just like how the the Cowboys offense is as well. Uh, So I think that's what you kind of want to avoid is like you don't want maybe that volatility because <laughs> I think your offense already has enough volatility to, to go through. So we don't want maybe both sides of the ball being that way. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Now on the other side of the ball, Josh Allen, and you know, they call him sugar high Josh at times when you, when you have the, the turnovers and, and he had three costly turnovers in that matchup last week against the dolphins, uh, the fumble that went for the touchdown. And then obviously the two interceptions, what do you make of the turnovers? Is it Josh pressing too much? Is it his weapons? Is it the offensive line? I'd love to hear what you think about this. It was him pressing a little bit. It, that's the thing is he had a up and down roller coaster game, and then he made about seven god tier throws <laughs> and plays. And so that you know that's what he is though. That's how it's just that that was a, the most extreme version. The Dolphins' game plan was to live in that world. It was we want every single play to be a, an explosive for the offense or the defense. And that was their game plan. They lost, but they're playing Skyler Thompson. So like that, that, that was a way to keep them in the game. Hey, it's short field for the offense and short field for the defense. Let's go. Like that's kind of what the game plan was. I think Josh was pressing too hard, but the second half <laughs> after the strip sack to start the second half, he had a couple of drives where I, Okay, he chilled out. I call it the zoomies because he's like a golden retriever out there. But it's like, <laughs> you know, like he chilled out a little bit. And that's always he's shown that he's done this. He wasn't taking checkdowns for whatever reason. Um, they're bringing the pressure and you could tell they were on, uh, on the sideline going, hey, they're heating you up. So he was like, OK, I'm launching these like I'm that's who I'm beating them with. It. And those are 50 50 balls. And I would say he threw it was the most throws of 20 or more yards he's ever thrown in a game was last week. And he went, I think, five of 12, almost literally 50-50. So it was, that's what those are. They're 50-50 throws. Sure. And that's why it can be so up and down. But if Khalil Shakir catches the one ball, it's, you know, they probably blow the doors off of him. You know, it, that's that's right. the thing. But that's what the Dolphins wanted. Again, they just wanted a couple big plays and a couple of mistakes. And hopefully we can game ourselves into this. And they almost did. But I'm not worried. That's just how Josh Allen plays. I, I mm. really want to see them lean into his easy buttons and what that is to me. And I know he has the elbow, but running them and designed rushes. I think that's one way you get after this Bengals defense. And that's what he's amazing at. I think they've been saving that until now. Like I really do. I think they've kind of leaned away, not really leaned into it. He had 10 designed rushes last year's playoffs against the chiefs. So I think let's smash that glass is the term I use. Let's, let's break that glass. Okay, Josh, go be a fool. Let's go. Let's have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. It's good because it's good. Yeah. It's good. They're, they're good plays happen when that happens. So um, I think that's last week is the most negative of you see with Josh in 2022. He played like he was Josh in 2019. And I think I, it's good to get it out now and win that game and revamp and reset. And I think he, that game will reset him a little bit. I think it's a great point. And I think it's always important to bring up last year's Atlanta Falcons game when he went 
maybe 2018, Josh, with the three picks and just like absolute chaos in that game. Yeah. And then his next three games were three of maybe the one of the best three game stretches in the history of football. He's just like this enigma, this yes. unicorn of a player. And you yeah. gotta you gotta ride that. And they do a good job of that. And when we bring this up to Ken Dorsey week in and week out about Josh, it's the same kind of like puzzled look back at us because it's like you guys know who you're asking me about, right? Yeah. Like this is this is the experience. That's it. That's it. It's the road. He's I, I call him again, Professor Chaos, and that's what he is. You just ride it, and because when you ride it in a good way, look at the Chiefs game last year in the playoffs. It's like, hey, we like this is great. <laughs> like, <laughs> but then it's the reaping and sowing meme. Like you know when they say, oh, what the hell is this? What that like after he throws two picks that you're like, what was that? And you know one of the picks was just him forcing it, and the strip sack was just him having bad eyes and that stuff happens, uh, but that's just, that's what he is. Exactly how Ken Dorsey looks. That's, that's what he is. Yeah. And, you know, you guys just mentioned Ken Dorsey. What do you think of Ken Dorsey's, how he's performed in his first year as Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator? I've really liked it. Um, I think underlying, I know there's been some frustrations, especially the red zone stuff, but red zone stuff usually goes up and down anyways. Like it's very hard to say sticky um, in, in the red zone, unless you're the Titans and have Derrick Henry. Uh, I think with the, I think with the Bills and with Ken Dorsey, he's well, I mentioned the break glass with Josh Allen. And I think that's really because Ken Dorsey, especially with the elbow scare, uh, was trying to protect Josh and find other answers that are different than Josh go do something funny. And and that is that's what they used to say about the Marx brothers, was they could just write for Harpo Marx and say Har- Harpo do something funny. And so that's the same. That's that's Josh Allen. It's like, hey, uh, the Cardinals do this with Kyler Murray. Just hey, hey, go go do something. Go go. Okay, yeah, yeah, here we go. Good coaching right there. I think Ken Dorsey was trying to go like, let's have some more sustainability, so we don't have games like that Dolphins game where it's like, oh my god, what the hell is going on? All up, ups and downs, ups and downs. And he's done that by changing the personnel. Uh, I think they've done a great job of using jumbo personnel, especially in the yeah. second half of the season. Uh, they're trying to find the under center run game. Uh, which has been kind of okay, but even the gun runs have expanded that are not RPOs and not Josh Allen replays. So true runs from mm-hmm. from the gun, which I think has been a big evol- kind of a re-evolution of NFL run games this season is people stopping the RPOs. I, I call the term separate church and state. We're getting back into just <laughs> straight runs and straight passes again because defenses have adapted. Um, right. I think, but I think he's just, that's what he's doing. I think that I had a stat that it was like, 95% of their under center pass plays were play action because they're trying to tie their runs with their passes. I just think that he's done all these ups. Uh, they've had ups and downs and, and, uh, but like the underlying numbers are all great. Like the efficiency numbers, explosive numbers, all are better than last season, which is, I think is pretty funny because he's trying to find different answers for times like right now in the playoffs where it's like, Hey, we don't have to hit, the Josh Allen do something funny button if we don't have to, but when it's tie ball game in the fourth quarter, all right, here we go. There's a, sorry, I know this has been long, but the no, one, no, the, it's great. But, but last week against the Dolphins, he they had one design run and it was third and seven in the red zone. And it was in a one score game. I mean, one score game most of the game, but it was late. It was in the second half. So mm-hmm. they didn't use that play until it was like, we need this shit. So like we got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's go. Break glass. Boom, done. But Okay. All right. Good. We, he didn't get hurt. We're good. Okay. Good. Okay. Put him back in the box. Okay. Fine. I think now this week it's like, all right, let's use that five or six more times. So I, I think that's what Ken Dorsey has tried to do this year. Sure. It's led to some frustrations, but I do think it's going to pay dividends. 
Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, the jumbo package. Uh, your coworker at the Athletic, Joe Biscalia, yeah. is yeah. the card uh, carrying member of the Bobby Hart fan club in terms of let's get Bobby Hart, that big man Tutty, down in the red zone. We're waiting let's for it. That hasn't happened yet. That that could yeah. be you know coming any Set moment. Set it up. Set it up for the whole season. Hey, 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 when you have a team that you know you're going to win double double digit games, you can set that stuff up. Like, hey, we we'll save that for the playoffs or save that for a <laughs> week eighteen divisional tilt. You know, if we had to go for the division or something. Hey, you never know. But that mm-hmm. that really that really has helped. That was I, I still say it was last year the Bucks game. The second half yeah. of the Bucks game is when this offense changed and Josh Allen changed. They mm-hmm. stopped leaning so much. They still have the RPOs. You need RPOs. But they stopped doing it every time, like yeah. every first and second down, every first and second down. That game and then the Patriots game in the regular season at the end of the year, I can't remember which week it was, when Josh Allen started checking the ball down. And that led to defenses having to come down and then he could hit the stuff over the top. He he has it in him. He did it last year. He's done it most some parts of this year. It's like, but getting back to that, and I think that's when it's been good for the offense because it's not just so up and down. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this too. Um, I want to get you out of here, but I, I want to ask you this question. Okay. So much has been made about the um, weapons after Stefan Diggs, right? Yeah. Like if you're looking at this game in like specifically, who do you think, obviously Gabe Davis is coming off that big performance. He seems locked in. Who is one guy in this offense, not named Stefan Diggs that you think could have a big time, breakout performance or however you want to categorize it, that's going to help Josh Allen in this game against his Bagels defense. Oh, I, I'm going with my guy, Khalil Shakir. I, mm-hmm. I, I am a big Shakir fan uh, out of the draft process. I had a day two grade on him. Um, I was stoked that he got to this offense, really. And they, I was hoping, I mean, every time he's played, preseason he looked phenomenal. And then he's had, had to start a game early in the season. I can't remember which team. I want to say Steelers. And he had like five catches for 80-something yards. So like mm-hmm. he looked great in that game. And every time he's been called upon, other than the drop freaking deep pass that all anyone <laughs> remembers right now, other than that, he's performed. And that's he's just a baller. He's just a good football player. Um, so I think, you know, not like a 200, not like a Gabe Davis performance in the last year's playoffs, but maybe something where he can, a couple key first downs. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm, but I'm a big Shakir fan. I thought they should have maybe given him some run earlier. Um, Isaiah McKenzie's a fun player, but I down to down, he's just not that. He, he's more gadgety to me. They tried. Um, but r- having said that, why that's important that one of these guys, other guys steps up the Bengals defense. I'm at the, during my, my seventh monologue, the Bengals <laughs> defense uh, by DVOA from football outsiders. They're, they're six against number one receivers in defense, but mm-hmm. they're 31st against number two receivers and they're Ooh. 24th against all other receivers. They are really good at taking away what you want to do. That's what mm-hmm. Lou Anarumo does. But there's answers to be had. It's just that you have to have the dudes to do it. And luckily, the Bills have number 17. <laughs> and right. that always gives you a chance. It's just sometimes that defenses are going to make it a little tough on you. One last question. Can the Bills yeah. win the Super Bowl without Von Miller? Yeah. I, that <laughs> Von Miller to me was the cherry on top. That And yes, yes, the playoffs, you need these stars. It's still a fantastic defense that makes it really hard. The last week they 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 really played well against the Dolphins. They just had short field after short field after short field and a couple sure. gimmick plays. How many Skyward Thompson threw like three passes from the pocket? I mean, all of them were broken plays, extended plays, which is actually kind of scary that now they're going against Joe Burrow. So, uh, but it, it's uh, but no, I I still have been, I've been optimistic about the Bills team. Yes, would you want Von Miller? Uh, absolutely, especially now. Von Miller, no one cranks it up under the brightest lights like Von Miller does. 
Um, but I still absolutely think they can. I think this is, they still have number 17. They still have a very good defense with really good coaches and smart players, which is what you need when you get down to it. They win up front by kind of a, you know, group committee uh, mm-hmm. of pass rush, but that's fine because they rotate guys and that helps too. stay fresh playoffs. That matters. All this, this builds up. So I still think they have a chance. I absolutely do. I, I, again, like I predicted, I predicted a Chiefs, you know, uh, Bills AFC Championship game, and I'm sticking with it. I, I, I think this can be a great game, and I think they have a chance against every team they play against from here on out. Well, if the Jacksonville Jaguars want to mess around and win this weekend, and the Bills can play at home, and I don't have to travel again to <laughs> the Super Bowl, that's fine with me. Want to go to Atlanta? Bills round three will be uh, blockbuster, man. It will be yeah. uh, a barn burner. Yeah, Indeed. it'll be a slobber knocker, as Jim Ross used to say. There, you go. <laughs> there it is. Nate Tice from The Athletic. Go find uh, The Athletic Football Show. You can listen to it on all the audio platforms, which is usually my mode, but they are now live. You guys are live, right? After every... Uh, After these games, yes, we'll be live. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So Saturday night, YouTube Sunday page. night. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, man. This yes, was an awesome you. segment. We really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. This was great. Thank you. All right, Nate Tice. From The Athletic, uh, so gracious with his time. Awesome stuff, as usual. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. What is up, everybody? This is Matt Perino from Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast, here to talk to you about Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player staff projections and watch the winnings roll in. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you could turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Prize Picks with as little as four correct picks. You could turn $10 into $1,000 with NBA, NHL, and college basketball entries today on Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT. S-H-O-U-T for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today and use the code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Ryan, we got to get into a few other things on this game. We are going to give our keys to the game. Uh, Obviously, value, home centers. Make sure you check out valuehomecenters.com. And then we'll finish this off with our predictions. Couple of update. Um, Hi, the Bills are goaded. No contest this season. Jeremy Coop, thank you 
for the super chat. We appreciate that as always. Uh, if you have something to add to the show and we don't see your comments uh, in the side section here, uh, do that super chat. We always see those. We'll get them in here uh, right on the screen. So some news today. We already talked about the Bengals side of things. Jonah Williams, Alex Kappa ruled out for this game. Just massive uh, for you know what that matchup's going to look like in front of Joe Burrow. That's the first part of this. On the, the Bills side of things, it's interesting. They've been so healthy all of a sudden this week. I mean, everywhere you look, Isaiah McKenzie doesn't have an injury designation. Jordan Phillips has been at practice all week, although albeit limited. The, the, practice, the injury report came out today. Phillips is listed as questionable, although I think he's on track to play. He played last week, and he didn't even practice a couple of those days. And then Daquan Jones, who's popped yeah. up the last couple of days, he has a calf injury. He's He was limited in practice once again today. So I think he's dealing with kind of like a little nagging thing. He's listed as questionable. I, I think that the, it's significant to me just because of how much they rely on him. I mean, there's been games where he's played like close to 80% of the snaps, which is so out of the ordinary for the Sean McDermott defense. How big of a deal do you think this is seeing Daquan Jones pop up on the injury report late like this? Yeah, it's a huge deal. Uh, we've talked this throughout the season about besides Von Miller, uh, Jones was may maybe the best free agent signing in terms of bang for your buck. And maybe you can make the argument that he was the best for bang for your buck. He's been outstanding at defensive yeah. tackle. He's uh, helped with the run defense. He's helped in terms of taking on double teams at times. He has been the real deal for this team and uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals team that's really beat up on their offensive line. Jones, uh, healthy Jones, I think could have been in line for a huge game. And, you know, if, if he does play, even if he's less than 100 percent, I think he can be a difference maker. Uh, but the fact that he popped up and he is one of the two players that are questionable for Buffalo, it has me a little bit concerned. Yeah. So a couple other updates. I, I think you're right on the money there. I think it's something to watch for uh, for sure. Um, Jamison Crowder, who I know some Bills fans were kind of holding out hope that maybe he can make it back for this game. Sean McDermott pretty much ruled him out today, said he they're not expecting him to play. Micah Hyde already ruled out earlier in the week. And, you know, we mentioned Joe Biscaglia from The Athletic. He had a little Q&A with Micah uh, that went live today. Highly recommend going and checking it out. It was, it was kind of a, you know, a pretty lengthy uh, conversation with Micah. And I, I don't know, after reading it, 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 to me, it paints the picture that like a return while still, you know, this great hope um, still seems like it's, you know, a lot's going to have to happen over the next couple of weeks if the Bills continue to win to make that a reality. I mean, he's going to have to check back with his doctors over and over and over again, and they're going to have to get the green light. He's on the scout team right now. He's in a red non-contact jersey. So he really, Ryan, we're sitting here on a Friday. He was in the red again today. He has not taken one hit in practice yet. So I don't know if they're going to flip a switch and send him out there for a game after three days of you know, maybe if, if the red Jersey comes off next week, maybe then you can start to have this conversation, but yeah, I, I just think that you're throwing him into the mix after basically not playing competitive football uh, for, you know, four months. So uh, it's a fun hope. And maybe that he does get a roster spot in a potential Super Bowl situation. I mean, we're still three weeks away from that, but I still think a long road ahead for Mike. Hyde. And I bring that up because I know a lot of people keep asking about that yeah. week in and week out kind of eyeing a hopeful return for him. Yeah, and again, you nailed that point. I think that having Micah Hyde out there on the practice field, even with the scout team, though, it's another set of eyes. It's uh, what should you be doing in this situation? It's just helpful advice for these players. And mind you, that secondary, for the most part, has a lot of veterans, and Dean Marlowe has seen a lot. Uh, he'll be starting opposite Jordan Poyer. So 
it still helps though. So if he's even if he doesn't play this week, next week, Super Bowl, I still think that his return from a morale standpoint did a lot, did wonders for this team. And the fact that he's just out there and helping it in some way, just then uh, standing on the sidelines, it really has helped this team throughout the re- end of the regular season and obviously now in the playoffs with him actually with the scout team on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Palmer asked, would it be possible for the Bills to sign someone like recently retired J.J. Watt to help in the playoffs? That would be quite the uh, <laughs> um, addition, right? And, and, and he was playing well this season. Yeah. But no, he, he, he can't sign with another team. Uh, it's like any other player that played in the NFL this year, like once their team ends, even though he retired, you know, you can't just sign to another team. So no, that's, that's not possible. Um, I want to talk about something. So I was listening to the Ryan Russillo podcast and, you know, you asked um, uh, Nate about, can the bills win the super bowl without Von Miller? And there's these advanced stats that show that with Von Miller on four um, man pass rushes um, with Von Miller, the bills ranked fourth in the, NFL to Thanksgiving since then they've been 27th in terms of Mm. pressure rate. So you've seen that ability to get after the quarterback and cause problems fall off of a cliff. And I thought that was, you know, I've heard that in multiple spots this week. And I think that's something to think about here as you look at the matchup against Joe Burrow, how do the bills, you know, get to him? I think it's going to be a combination of things. I think it's going to be, you know, you gotta, you gotta rely on, Greg Rousseau, who I think is, you know, a first round pick on the edge. When you're talking about those four edge rushers, Shaq's been pretty consistent, but I'm talking pure pass rusher. Greg Rousseau has got to do something in this game. And he has done it in big games before. I mean, as early as his, his rookie season, go back to that Kansas city game, that prime time game when he had the, you know, the, was the interception. Yeah. He deflected the pass, tracked it down and intercepted it. Yeah. So I, I think you look at him against, some really advantageous matchups for him. And he does most of his work. Has he been primarily on the left side? Am I, am I just like going nuts here? How often have we seen him rush on the right side this season? Yeah, I, that's a great question. And it's not something I have the answer to off the top of my head, but Russo has to have a huge game. And whether it's Boogie Basham had a nice game last week, uh, if you watch the mic up, mic'd up, video that the Bills put out. They were really praising Boogie Basham's play in that matchup. Epinez has been, you know, up and down throughout the season, but it's going to have to be the Greg Rousseau show on Sunday. And with three offensive linemen down, including both of their starting tackles at the start of the season, you would like to think there's going to be matchups for the Bills to exploit, but that's definitely my biggest concern because they have fallen off without Von Miller up front. And maybe if Miller even had a quiet game, teams still had to pay attention to him, maybe double him, maybe uh, the way they schemed things up and that freed things up for Rousseau and company. Mm-hmm. If the Bills can't get it done with their front four, they're going to have to uh, you know, look like they're going to pressure and maybe send a linebacker, send a Taryn Johnson in, in the secondary, and then drop someone back. They, they have to maybe get uh, a little creative with it because they do have to get home against Joe, Joe Burrow. The good news for Buffalo is the Ravens kind of showed that there is a way to do it. There's a way to get after him. They did a really nice job of that, in my opinion, last week in that playoff matchup. Yeah, and you, you, meant, you mentioned like blitzers in this game, and I'm, I'm really interested to see who they use. I mean, I think Matt Milano has been the most consistent mm-hmm. guy in that department um, this season. It's funny. Do you know Jordan Poyer? I'm looking at his advanced stats here, and this is just regular season. He has only blitzed 12 times this entire year. And you remember his all pro last year, year, he had, what did he have? Three and a half sacks. He's got zero this year. Yeah. They just not used him in that way. He had no blitzes 
against Miami last week. And I want to bring up his stats, his advance from 2021. And I'll bring this to you here. While, while you're he pulling had, that up, oh God. how much do you think the injuries have taken a toll on not wanting to blitz him? The, the fact that he's dealt with various injuries this year, what he's dealing with now, maybe not having that uh, extra yeah. burst, but you're not, not wanting to take hits either at one point in the season on that arm at that elbow region. 27 sack or 27 blitzes last year. So he's literally down by more than 50% this season. And I think you're, that's a great observation. I mean, a big part of it, I went, I went back and you know, that one play, it was like, I think a tip pass uh, or maybe just a bad pass. I think it was tipped and Poyer was in the area. And I almost felt like, yes, if he could have just like pivoted off of his, if his right foot, I don't know if it's the right knee or the left knee, he probably picks that off. 10 out of 10 times if he's healthy. So I just think he, you're right. He's out there gutting it out. You know, it's just they're 13 and all with him on the field. I mean, it's, it's, they've continued to find ways to win and having that back there as opposed to what's behind him. You know, I've always kind of like, you know, of course, I went to UB. Um, I love Cam Lewis. Like, you know, I've, I've, I've long time not hid the fact that there's probably some bias there. And so like, I always thought that that would be a great story for him to come back from that Justin Jefferson play. And, you know, if he's needed to play and um, do something positive, right. But man, having Jordan Poyer on the field, there's no argument. I don't care how much bias is involved in there. There's a drop off in level of play. So having Poyer available is huge. Yeah, it's a big time deal, but there's probably reasons behind why he hasn't blitzed as much and they've leaned on Milano. And listen, Milano's been excellent. He had two of the four sacks last week. He does a good job getting home against these quarterbacks. We've seen Taron Johnson in the past uh, do a really nice job. So they they have some options. Edmonds, when his number has been called, I feel like he's done a nice job this this year as well. So the, the Bills, is, bottom line, they have to make Burrow uncomfortable. And yes, when he gets out of pocket, he can create uh, probably a lot better than Skylar Thompson from one week ago, but that's something you have to do. You have to get him off his mark. You have to make sure that those time plays maybe are, are a second off time, and that's when the defense can maybe make a play on the ball. Um, 19 sat, uh, blitzes for Taron Johnson, 36 for Matt Milano. So mm. uh, two guys, to your point earlier, um, to watch when it comes to sending extra pressures. And to Nate's point earlier, maybe dropping some guys out into coverage off the line and then send like just still sending four, but mixing and matching with uh, the packages and what the looks that you want to send to them. So another thing I was listening to the Russillo podcast. And the reason I bring that up, he had Jim Nance on. And if you have, if you have a few minutes, go listen to that as any Buffalo bills fan, he basically takes you inside what it's been like, you know, covering that new England game, Tony Romo and, and, and Nance did the new England game called the um, Naheem Hines return touchdown and then into calling last week's game against Miami and some behind the scenes stuff. They were in the um, walkthrough on Saturday um, and it, some really good stuff. And the call of the Hines play, if you remember, Ryan, is the word that he came to mind for Nance was storybook. Right. And it got me to thinking like this is playing out and I don't want to jinx anything. So like, I'm sorry, like knock on wood or whatever superstitions you have. I'm not trying to put any bad juju out into the atmosphere. And so don't clip this out and blame me if they lose on Sunday, but it does feel a lot like that. Doesn't it? Like there's been so many things stacked up against this team over the course of the season. And I went back and I thought about it. I mean, you start in March with the top shooting, right? The devastation to the region, to Western New York, Buffalo, east side of Buffalo, to all the people affected, the 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 people who lost loved ones in that senseless act, Kim Pagula getting sick, not not long after that, 
um, you get to training camp and obviously not something that ended up happening to the Bills, but going through that entire Matt Ariza situation. I mean, mm-hmm. that's somebody who they brought into the organization that they drafted, that they believed in, and that obviously turn in, in a heartbeat. And obviously he wasn't um, charged. That came out uh, a few weeks ago. And however that story ends up getting played out, it is what it is. But that's something that this team went through. It was adversity, right? That this team went through. Remember those those two weeks there? It was the, it was one of the top stories in sports. Yeah. And you get to right before the season. Dawson Knox gets uh, the horrifying news that his his younger brother was tragically tragically died. And the, the impact that that had on not only Dawson, but this entire team, this entire organization, Micah Hyde, a guy that's been grinding through this entire build, suffers a season-ending uh, injury in week two. They get to Thanksgiving and hit some adversity in the season. The guy that they went out to bring in to, to exclamation point that Super Bowl run, Von Miller, injured, out for the season. The two back-to-back blizzards. The first one that moved a home game. They had to go on the road and win uh, against what should have been a home game. Then another blizzard totally throws off that game against Chicago. Who knows what could have happened in that one with Justin Fields playing really well at the time. And then obviously the DeMar Hamlin situation. You really add this all up, Ryan. And these are the kinds of stuff that you know movies are based on. And we yeah. could be watching a movie play out in front of our eyes. And you know, you mentioned a lot of the you know national analysts on you know on the Bengals. I think there's a, a, a just as many reasons to be in on the Bills on Sunday. You know, we're gonna get to our predictions in a minute here, but I really, really like how this thing is crescendoing, if you will, for the Bills as they get into the most important stretch of their of their season. Yeah. I- you said it. They face more adversity than I can think of any team facing in a single season in terms of it just snowballed throughout the course of the year. There was no let up. There was just always something. And yet they win 13 games. They end up as the number two seed. We're number one seed for a good portion of this year and only lost that on a technicality. Um, the, the fact that they've made it this far, the fact that they obviously receive, have been receiving great news on the DeMar Hamlin front uh, as each day passes by, getting him back in the building. Uh, I think that their mindset is where it needs to be in the, the biggest game of the year to date here heading into the game on Sunday. Over at valuehomecenters.com, all you got to do is type that into your phone or your computer and you'll get their weekly ad. It's got a bunch of deals and you can take it one step further text v-a-l-u to 80692 that signs you up for values text program and you start saving even more you'll receive exclusive coupons get the weekly deal right to your phone and so much more uh value home centers bringing you this week's keys to the game ryan and i'm gonna let you start us off here yeah win win on the lines and i'm saying both lines offensive line and defensive line i thought that the offensive line had a game to forget against the dolphins uh spencer brown especially struggled uh in that easy match. ryan easy on spencer <laughs> brown we've been too hard on spencer brown ryan listen jalen phillips was too hard on spencer brown last week he was beating him left and right uh that you know they, they have to win up front we saw the defensive tackles of sealer uh and and just Wilkins and how much they were winning. I think three total sacks, a lot of quarterback hits, a lot of pressure there. Buffalo's offensive line has to protect Josh Allen a lot better in this game. Uh, so Allen can scan the field, make those reads, or if it's making him use his legs more, block better up front for him as well. And then defensively, we've talked about it. The Bengals are down three players 
three starting players on their offensive line. You have to win up front. It starts with uh, Greg Rousseau and, you know, AJ, our producer mentioned it was mostly off the left left side this season, 247 snaps, only 38 from the right side. So Rousseau needs to have a game with the the defensive line and the Bills offensive line has to have a much better game in this matchup. I'm going to go with this one. I thought it was a good, a a good tweet. Uh, The Goodberry brothers, Definitely follow both of them, yeah. Glenn and Joe over yeah. on Twitter. Uh, Glenn's a Bills fan. Joe is a uh, Bengals fan in the content com- uh, creation community. Both great follows. He tweeted out, uh, the, Joe Burrow is four and eight when he's sacked four or more times. And I, I think that to me, that's a huge key in this game is how many times can you get the Bengals offense off the field in this game? And one of the ways to do that is by getting to the quarterback and creating third and long situations and getting to Joe Burrow in general, hitting him, making him feel like, okay, there might be a reason to at least locate the panic button with all of these offensive linemen shuffling, you know, in front of his, in front of his eyes. It's great to have Jamar chase and T Higgins and company, but if you don't feel comfortable getting the ball out, if the bills do a good job of mixing things out on the back end, I'm writing about Dean Marlowe, over the next couple of days, I'll probably be out either Sunday morning or sometime tomorrow. Great, great, great to catch up with him. I talked to him, Jaquan Johnson about him. Sean McDermott had some good stuff on him today. So that'd be a really cool feature. What a story. Like the guy yeah. literally, you know, leaves Buffalo to try to become a starter. It never works out anywhere he goes from the Falcons to the Detroit Lions. You know, it just never the right time. He comes back to Buffalo in this you know, nobody's really even talking about a trade because the Bills traded for Naheem Hines, which, you know, rightfully so garnered all the headlines. And he comes in and makes one of the biggest plays of the season. I mean, get a pick in that game is huge, just as big as the as the Elam one, one was. So, you know, just a cool story. Um, this Bill's defense, this Bill's secondary, it's it's been stabilized in so many different ways. And to help that secondary, you're going to need to get some push up front. Yeah, I, I cannot agree more. Uh, I do like the confidence the secondary is playing with. I like the fact that they keep defense or opposing offenses, I should say, in front of them. They don't usually give up that explosive play. That could frustrate uh, this Bengals offense as well. So it, it's going to be a real chess match on Sunday. Uh, in my opinion, the game of the weekend. Indeed. I will be there, sadly, without Ryan Talbot. This will be the first game that we cover in Orchard Park. You're not sitting next to me, but hopefully yeah. – the Jags can do work a little magic, and we'll get you in the in the house the next week. We'll figure it out. Um, but we'll always we'll still have the podcast for you in this exact same spot. I'll be at the stadium. He'll be in that beautiful studio. Prediction time, Ryan Talbot. Who do you got? And, and there's a little drum roll, please. There's a little drama here. You picked the <laughs> Bengals a couple weeks ago. Bills fans were not happy about it. Where yeah, we they, at? they were not. Uh, I do have the Bills winning this one. So this is, this is not peer pressure, Bills Mafia. Big time. Uh, I have the Bills winning this game 30-24. to 24. Uh, I The fact that the Bengals are so banged up on their offensive line, I think, is going to work in Buffalo's favor. And the fact that this matchup is at Highmark Stadium and not uh, on the road factors into this uh, prediction as well. I, I like the way that uh, – that, this matchup is being set up. Neither game, neither team had a very good game last weekend, in my opinion, on wildcard weekend. Uh, both teams let the opposition get into the game, almost walk away with a, an upset win. Uh, but for the Bills, there's just more matchups that I think that they can take advantage of. Uh, I think that, as Nate said, you're going to break the glass on Josh Allen, let him have those design quarterback runs, let him take off, use his legs, uh, and then that can create a whole – 
you know, a plethora of problems for this Bengals defense? Well, sorry to say, on the other side of things, psych, Bills win 28-27, too much going against the Bengals, having to go to Buffalo, having to play against Josh Allen, who's determined to take care of the football. Three turnovers in three straight games for this Bills team. I foresee none on Sunday. And that's a tall order because this Bengals defense can turn it over. But here's the thing. Up front, they're going to do a really good job. They're going to, you know, apply pressure. They're probably going to have some wins. You mentioned Spencer Brown. You know, even Deion Dawkins against Trey Hendrickson. That's going to be a matchup to watch. But that secondary is beat up. They're, some of their best guys um, aren't going to be available in this game. And I think that's a huge deal. I like um, at the second le- level, Jesse Bates. He's a really, really good player. Uh, you talk about a blitzer. They could kind of use him in that role as well. But I just think there's too many things going for the Bills. And, you know, they t- Nate said it. They take away the number one option, right? So Stefan Diggs is good. Listen, he's Stefan Diggs in the divisional round. He's going to do something in this game. I, I think Gabe Davis is on a mission. I think this could be, if not a exact replica of that Kansas City game a year ago, we're talking about a big-time performance from Gabe Davis in this game. I feel it. I it, It's one of the things that's got me the most confident in picking the Bills. And I'm not going that much out on a limb. I'm saying Bills 28, Bengals 27. In an absolute classic in Orchard Park, um, we'll see how it goes. I can't wait. This is this is what we wait. This is what we grind all year for, Ryan. You know the big the big games in the biggest moments, and this one is going to tell us a lot about both teams. I'm excited for it. Yeah, me too. And, you know, Matt already said it, Bills Mafia, after the game, uh, we'll go live with a podcast. And then next Friday, we will be live at Wingnut, a live pod. Hopefully, hopefully an AFC championship game preview, if not a season wrap up, uh, as we could be potentially talking about an AFC championship game, either at home against Jacksonville or in Atlanta against the Kansas City Chiefs round three. Dude, I cannot wait for uh, Wingnuts next Friday, a week from today. I was actually talking to um, somebody from Wingnuts today. We're kind of putting together the, the final details for the show. We, we put up the Facebook event, and we have three times as many people interested in the event. So what we might have to do is we might have to have the party move outside at some point because there's <laughs> going to be so many people that are coming to this event. But that's what we want. For more details on that, uh, head over to my Facebook page. Find me on Facebook, Matt Perino. Uh, I have shared the event multiple times. Uh, or find us on um, Facebook, Buffalo Bills on NY Up. The event is linked to that account there. Um, and I will tweet it out here and sometime today. I'll pin it to the top. Uh, you can find it there as well. I want to bring up one thing before we go. We haven't talked about the Bills running game at all. This is sneaky something that I think could be huge. And I think you probably kind of gloss over this because Cincinnati is pretty good against the run. Troy says, I see James Cook having a big night, both catching and receiving at least two scores. That's a bold prediction. I'm not going to go that far, but I love James Cook in this game. Like if yeah. I was taking an anytime touchdown score, if I was doing a little, you know, gambling on this game, um, I don't give gambling advice on this podcast, but if I were to, James Cook, anytime touchdown. I, I love that play. I think he can. I think they can run the ball with James Cook out of those shotgun snaps in this game. Well, and you even saw it last week. A small sample size. You know, he ended up averaging less than four yards per carry. But he had back-to-back runs of uh, 13 yards and nine yards. He can get those chunk plays for this offense. I think he can be a difference maker. 
the one thing that actually caught my eye post game is neither running back had a target in that matchup whatsoever. And they've been doing a better job getting the, the balls to the back, uh, giving them the targets uh, at least once or twice out of the backfield. So I'd like to see that Josh do that once or twice as well in this game, especially a guy like Cook who is explosive and can take a short pass the distance. I keep saying we're going to get out of here. Another good question. Adam, uh, do you think the Bengals feeling like they got cheated uh, and having to come to Buffalo will use that as motivation? I don't know. I, I don't know that the, the Bengals – they could feel anything they want. But they they this is different than like playing 16 games versus 17 games. The Bills and the Bengals played 16 games. The Bills won more. So right. any way that you want to kind of use tiebreakers, like I don't know if coming to Buffalo – not to mention the fact that all we keep hearing out of Cincinnati is how they feel like they're the top dogs. Like going on the road, I mean, this should be nothing to, the, to yeah. the top dog, right? Like, I don't know. No, I I agree with that completely. And, and you know, it's funny going into the regular season game against Cincinnati. There was the talk about the Bills linebackers, there was the talk about the the big dogs and all that, and the Bills defense being basic. And uh, a lot of Bengals fans were mentioned saying, "Oh man, if if the Bills team needs uh, bulletin board material for this game, they're they've already lost." And yet, yesterday, Joe Mixon sitting there saying how disrespectful it was that the Bills and Chiefs were selling AFC Championship game uh, tickets in for Atlanta. Listen, guy, they're selling tickets for every scenario. Jacksonville, yeah. Kansas City. I'm pretty sure the Jacksonville Bills. And yeah. Isn't Cincy selling tickets in case they yes, host? Yes, in case they host. Yes. Yeah. It, it was, but, but Joe Mixon, it's disrespectful. Well, no, it's really not. But he's looking for that chip on the shoulder, that motivation uh, that the Bills were criticized for just a few weeks ago from uh, the Bengals fan base or some members of the Bengals fan base. So it works both ways. They're looking for any kind of extra motivation, I'm sure. But. Uh, I don't think either team really needs it going into this matchup. Victor, did you find me the footage that said that I would do that? If we get him to 10K subs by the end of the bill season. Wow, that's an interesting, that's an interesting uh, um, suggestion. Because we're, we're just shy of 8,000. And the most time we have left in the season is three weeks. But really, we could have, you know, a couple days. So, but no. Listen, why do you want to see? Here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do, Victor. The start of the next show, um, not the not the post game show, but the next week's show. Remind me in the chat. I will show you a picture. I literally went through college with a shaved head. Like I just didn't like doing my hair. Like I shaved my head. I'll I'll plaster that on the picture. <laughs> I'll do the Bruce exclusive Bruce Nolan route, and I'll just like I won't have video for an episode, and I'll just have the picture of me with my shaved head. Um, I don't know if it's going to be that exciting. Like I, anybody that like ever knew me back 20 years ago, well, shoot, 15 years ago now, I was always wrong with the shaved head. So maybe, maybe they want to bring it back because then we could kind of be like, you know, bald brothers. Bald, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's it. Cause I'm not growing mine back out. You're not shaving yours anytime soon. So <laughs> it is what it is. All right. Um, I think that'll do it. Both of us got uh, the bills winning in this one. It should be a fun contest. We can't wait. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll be right back with you probably around 7 o'clock, 7.30 on Sunday. Take care, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Oh, we're doing so much here. I forgot to – how can you enjoy your weekend without a trip to the Tops Carry Out Cafe? They're going to have you hooked up for your game day, whether you're hosting a party or you want to hook up your tailgating spread. Hot to go, fresh, large cheese and pepperoni pizza, $14. The jumbo chicken wing, 10 count, $14. The legendary Tops breakfast pizza. Get yourself a large for 20 bucks. Pizza or taco log, six count, $7.69. Baby back rib sections, $5.99 a pound. Sub sandwiches, wraps, app sides, 
and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. All right, that'll do it. We're out of here. He's Ryan. I'm Matt. See you soon. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.